0: Hey, I gotta tell you guys about something, and I'm really excited to talk about this because I got a brand new front door lock. And it's not just any lock. It's a Ufi video lock. You might be thinking, what's the big deal, Chael? Well, okay, I'm gonna tell you. First off, it is sleek. I mean, it's a very big deal. My father used to build houses. My whole life I've known how important curb appeal is. I used to be in real estate. When I show somebody a house, the front door is the very first thing you see. This thing is a piece of art. It truly is, and it's such a good-looking piece of hardware. It instantly upgraded my front door. I was excited about the functionality. So not only do I get an instant makeover with a piece of art, you now have a different level of protection. It's a smart lock. It's got a 2K camera with audio and doorbell all in one. Most competitors are either just a camera or a smart lock. The Eufy Video Lock has both plus a doorbell and it can all be controlled via an app, which makes things so convenient. I hate when I hear the doorbell ring and I'm comfortable inside. I gotta get up, go to the door, just to find out it's a delivery man who dropped the package and is already long gone. The Eufy Video Lock now allows me to avoid all of that. I can just peek at the app. I can even talk to him or hear him talk back to me. Also, my wife and I travel a lot. It's an added level of security at my front door and it makes me feel a little bit more at ease. It was very easy to install. No, there are no monthly fees for the security video storage. The battery is rechargeable, and each charge lasts about four months. The Ufi Lock is fantastic, and I highly recommend it. Search Ufi Video Lock online. Do that by going to Ufi, E U F Y Video Lock, or visit ufiofficial.com backslash video lock to see how you gain
1: complete control of your door. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off, My Rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.
2: Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Now available on Apple Podcasts, Podcast One, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcasts.
3: Uncle Joe. Uncle Joe. lost, not even around, undefeated, undisputed, oh yeah, here comes the bad guy, Uncle Jill, Uncle Jill. there's no bad guy like Uncle Jill. never lost, not even around, undefeated, Uncle Chill, there's no bad guy like Uncle Chill. Never lost, not even around, undefeated, undisputed. Oh yeah, here comes the bad guy, Uncle Chill.
0: What's happening, guys? Happy Wednesday! And thank you for joining another special episode of Your Welcome. Oh my goodness! I don't. Sometimes I don't know where to begin. So, sometimes something is so outlandish, it, it is such a level of ridiculousness that sometimes a guy will take it and put it on a television show and name it ridiculousness. I, I mean, sometimes, there's some things that are hard to talk about. Boxing. Boxing is comically inspiringly fake news that will never end. If you want to have the biggest boxing fight of all time, if you are a boxing historian and you are asked on a boxing show, what is the biggest fight of all time? There will not only be a response by the players involved, there will be judges to judge whether or not they gave the right answer, of which are lies to start with. The biggest boxing fight of all time is as follows. Whoever put out a press release and claimed that they had numbers prior than the previous false press release that used to have the previous false numbers. It's insane. And technology would agree with me. Like, you wouldn't need to use science, or you wouldn't even need to use numbers. You would just have to use logic. How would a fight in the 1980s be bigger than a fight in 2020? Just by example. When people didn't even have pay-per-view, when closed captioning at places in select areas took place in movie theaters, where you could go in and put your $5 down, just like you were going to watch a movie, you could get a seat in a popcorn and they would bring in a feed and you could watch two guys fight. I mean, just by example, people didn't even have pay-per-view. They didn't even have it. They didn't even know what it meant, except for a select group of people. But this is what drove an entire sport in the 80s. And prior to that, you used to have to watch big-time boxing fights. I'm talking about uh, Marciano Jr. I'm talking about Sugar Ray Robinson. I'm talking about Jack Johnson. You would watch that over a transistor radio. Forget about having a feed, whether you could pay for it legally or even have a corrupted illegal feed. Forget about even having a visual stimulus of an image of the fight. That's not to say that Jack Johnson couldn't draw or that Ray Robinson couldn't draw or Marciano couldn't draw if they were given the technology benefits of today. I mean, do you see how basic logic would tell you that there is no way that there is a fight from the 80s that is bigger than a fight of today if we're basing it purely on numbers? Arenas built by man with brick and mortar were not the same size in that time frame as they are today. So you would have no level playing field to tell me about a foreman or a Muhammad Ali that were boxing back in that day in arenas of brick and mortar that were built by people decades ago as today. And that's before we even get into the technological aspect of it. Do you even understand, just logically speaking, how stupid it is to say what the biggest boxing fights of all time are? Unless you're talking about times that are of recent, where people could literally watch a fight in the palm of their hand. Literally. Literally. From anywhere in the world just logically speaking do you understand the level of stupidness that you would have now not only is the biggest boxing fight of all time officially the correct answer whoever lied the most in the press release not only is that the official answer nobody from DirecTV nobody from Time Warner nobody from Comcast publicly traded companies have ever come out and supported any notion ever Of the biggest boxing fight. Never. It has always been a lie put out by a PR company that got gobbled up and reported. But we have a rare treat. (laughs) We have a rare treat that if I did not have proof, if I did not, if I could not prove to you guys that this happened, I would not even make this video because you would think I'm such a storyteller. Iron Mike Tyson. Iron Mike Tyson has come out. And he has told us that his fight with Roy (laughs) Johnson. I can't do this. Vince, you're going to have to edit this. Ryan, guys, I'm sorry. I'm going to try. You guys piece this together as best you can. I can't get through this with a straight face. Mike Tyson has come out and he has told us so as an honest man <laughs> as an honest man through social media known as twitter that his fight with roy jones jr has broken the pre purchased orders in boxing history <laughs> i didn't know that was a thing i didn't even know that that was a thing to have pre purchased pay-per-view orders throughout boxing history. I didn't know that anybody ever actually documented that when even after the fact, Time Warner, Xfinity, DirecTV, Comcast, my uncle owns a satellite, nobody's ever verified the numbers in the first place. But Tyson currently holds the record for pre-orders, haters be damned, numbers don't lie. His evidence his evidence. Now, this is not unfounded, by the way. This is not a guy who has a financial interest who's trying to motivate. This is not a guy who, who in his downtime because he's been in the mountains uh, like Rocky running through the snow and training so hard and hitting beef in the locker. I mean, he found a little bit of time to get to social media. We We, we appreciate that. But his supporting proof was not from a verified account. Not from a pay-per-view subscriber, not from a CEO or an executive at a company that would actually have access to this. His verified proof was a retweet of somebody who said, and they put it in caps, they capitalized it, Mike Tyson and Roy Jones Jr. currently hold pre-order pay-per-view record. So it's official. Jan Blahovic laid out a two year plan that within two years he believes he will go up to heavyweight uh, and chase John Jones. But it's going to take two years to get there, and, and he had all sorts of reasons why. And I, I, I read it, and it was so painfully boring. I don't know if it, if it came from a competitive nature that there's guys at two or five years to clear out, or if that's how long he thinks it's where his body's going to grow. I just could not figure out for the life of me why the current champion is talking about the former champion who never lost the belt and left the division that's opening up the arm for you to be a champion or even have a championship fight in the first place, particularly and moreover when you already have a fight signed and it's not against that guy. Have you guys ever met the jerk that will ask you your 10-year plan? Hey, what's your 10- year plan? You go my 10- year plan. My 10 year plan is to have dinner tonight and have rent paid next week. That's what my 10-year, but what do you mean? what is my 10- year plan? And it's it's a special kind of strange person, and then and then they'll even qualify why you need to have this plan because it's a vision and it's a goal and it's, it's just all these things that they read in a book somewhere that they they bought on Amazon. It's just one of these strange things. But Blahovovich, who has a fight with Adesanya, and in all due respect to Bohobovich, really has never been given the due he deserves, and not just by being the world champion. You can back the tape up, okay? He was brought in. In many ways is the same reason Reyes was brought in, which in hindsight is very rude. As part of the Chris Weidman and Luke Rockholt experiment, 205 pounds was the cupboards were so bare for name recognition. They had two studs from 185, two former world champions, Rockhold and Weidman, both bumped up to 85, and everybody's looking left and looking right, going, "Okay, great, let's get Rockhold a match, let's get Weidman a match, whichever one looks better is going to fight John Jones next." I mean, that's where we were, eighteen months ago, twenty months ago, uh, not not that long ago. Reyes did a fantastic job, was rewarded for doing a fantastic job. Blahobovich did a fantastic job and was rewarded for it. But I don't know that Blahovic was ever given his full credit. To go out there and knock out Luke Rockhold, tremendous job. Blahovic then goes in with Reyes. Well, you got to understand, at the time that he got in there with Reyes, how terrified of Reyes people were. But Reyes had just beaten According to one licensed judge, according to the masses, according to the people at large and all of the media, he just beaten John Jones. So Blahovich bites down on his mouthpiece, go, walks out there one more time against one more killer, and finds a way to win. Blahovich is a straight up stud. I offer that to you because I have had one interaction with Blahovich in my whole life, it was through another guy. And Blachowicz was nothing but a gentleman. And I find myself being a real jerk to Blahovich. But I don't mean to be. I-, I really don't. I'm a guy that is looking at a young, handsome, talented warrior who's also been up against it, counted out, and brushed aside time and time again. It's happening to him right now with Adesanya. Blahovic is the sitting champion of earth. For anybody alive that weighs 205 pounds, all of a sudden uh, Izzy says I'm moving up. I'm going to weigh that weight class, and Blahovich slides to a two to one underdog for his own championship. It's very unfair. But there's parts of me that wants to grab him and shake him and try to correct some of these mistakes. Has Blahovich gone into the ring and, and been any more successful <coughs> at beating current or former world champions than Sonya has? No. No, he is not. Is Adesanya going in there and finishing fights at a higher or more devastating knockout rate than Blahovich? No. The answer is no, he's not. Is Adesanya far more interesting and does he come to us with far better of a story and clearer of a plan than Blahovich does? Yes, of course, without question. Is Adesanya the biggest star in the sport because he can break dance? No. Because he can punch and kick? No. Adesanya has a story, and he comes out and tells it in a chronological order that at no point would involve a two-year plan that comes to fruition by going after a guy who just left the division and so many people put an asterisk next to your name. Are you even the true champion or are you a placeholder? An unfair narrative, but a narrative that exists all the same and Blahovich appears to be playing into. John Jones ran away from the 205-pound belt. He did not want to fight Reyes again, who was offered to him. So Blahovic stepped up to a fight that Jones didn't even have the courage to go and do and was victorious. Everything I just said to you is true. There's another perspective. There's a perspective that John Jones has already beaten Reyes. He's already done that once. He's looking for some parity. He wants some fresh bodies. He's so devoted to that idea that he's willing to walk away from the belt and try on a whole new weight class. That, of what I just said to you, is also true. They don't go together. They conflict. They're both true at the same time, but they are drastically different statements to draw you to a different conclusion. But they're both true. So when you're the principal in this, which is Blahovich, do you want to add to the story... That John Jones was so bored with the division, he walked away to pursue something different. A true statement, but do you want to support that, or do you want to support the other one? Which is also true. That John ran away from a division because he refused to fight Reyes. A fight that was offered him, a fight of which you accepted, and a mountain of which you climbed. Both statements are true. One serves you, and one serves Jones. If you're the champion and you're the one being given media opportunities, wouldn't it make sense to tell the story that adds to and supports your objective?
1: This is Your Welcome with Jail Sonnen.
0: I want to thank one of my new sponsors for supporting this show, and I know a lot of my listeners, especially the hard-headed ones, are going to love them. Do you love peanut butter? Do you love whiskey? Then you're going to love Rams Point Peanut Butter Whiskey. Rams Point locks horns with smooth peanut butter flavor to create an intense spirit worth fighting for. Enjoy it as a straight shot. Put it on the rocks or as an amazing cocktail. Rams Point Whiskey is a fun addition to any party or that special night with someone special. They also have recipes that will blow your mind. Let's start with the Rams Point PB&J shot. Imagine you're at a party. The host says, who wants a shot of PB&J? Of course you're going to be in. One part Rams Point, one part grape liqueur, and you've just created an incredible new version of an old favorite. And you can add other flavored liquors, like strawberry cherry, or wild berry to create your own version. And this one is genius. Imagine putting your favorite peanut butter around the rim of a glass, add a shot of Rams Point peanut butter whiskey, and you've just created magic. Make sure to embrace hard-headed spirit this holiday season with Rams Point peanut butter whiskey. Whether it's getting together with a group of friends, safely of course, or that someone's special, or if you're just looking to relax, Ram's Point Peanut Butter Whiskey is the way to go. And for the truly hard-headed, check out Ram's Peanut Butter Whiskey on Twitter and always hashtag appropriately, Ram's Point Whiskey. Hashtag Point Peanut Butter Whiskey. Hashtag Point Made. Go check it out
1: now. Now back to Your Welcome with Chael Sonnen.
0: Guys, I have never got it. I have asked you guys, I have pled with you guys many times, what is it that you have against Curtis Blades? And I am convinced more and more that it is personal. That it is personal between you and Curtis. I am not convinced and I have never witnessed a deficit within his skills. In fact, I've seen the opposite. I've seen a collegiate national champion wrestler who went from lay and pray to stand and trade, who then came to the final product that we see today, which is he'll trade with you and then he'll take you down and he'll pound on you some more until you get up in a rinse and repeat. A very similar skill set to that of Kamara Usman, who's never been called boring. A similar skill set to Colby Covington, who's never been called boring. I bring that to you because I do not believe that the Curtis Blades that we see today is somebody that you don't want to see fight. I also don't believe that Curtis has ever been a jerk. I've never seen it. That's why I've asked you guys, tell me what it is Curtis did, because I must have missed it. I trust that it happened, but I must have missed it. Was he at a weigh-in? Was he at a press conference? Did he do something rude at some point? What is it that Curtis did? And then when you look at it from a competitive nature, nobody wants to fight Ngannou. Nobody. Ngannou is the scariest guy in the business. Curtis fought him. Didn't go well. Curtis then pleaded and begged for a rematch and got it. Went out and fought him again. Did not go well. He is now currently pleading and begging for a third time. So from a competitive standpoint or from a personal standpoint or from a pleasing-to-watch-through-his-skills standpoint, I've never seen where Curtis has got on the wrong side of you. He seems to me like a guy with a dream who's willing to work hard, his skills are getting better, and he's trying to pursue his dream. I've never got it. And then I wake up this morning. I see a headline. So I click on it. Curtis Blades has come out of his way. Nobody asked him. Nobody asked him for this. This is a self-inflicted wound. And he says, I will not fight John Jones unless I am paid a whole bunch of money. I can fight scrubs for 200 grand. To fight John Jones, I'm going to need a whole bunch of money. And I sit back and I go, I guess there's my answer. I've asked you guys many times to give Curtis a second thought. And I've even asked you what steered you off of him in the first place. And nobody ever answered the question until Curtis answered it for me today. Let's start. Let's work this thing backwards. He can fight scrubs for 200 grand. First off, he just dismissed 200 grand. Which completely separated himself makes him look like an elitist, and separ- from his fan base, the fan who is going to watch this doesn't even have the fifty bucks to throw down on any given day. To watch, they have to pick and choose their spots, or they have to team up. The average fan broad is going to team up, and they're going to invite somebody over. I'll get the fights; you bring the pizza. I'll get the fight and the pizza, you kick in 20 bucks. That is what moves this forward. Curtis Blade now drove a wedge between himself and the working man, which is our audience, by dismissing $200,000. Not a smart move. He, secondly, has never been offered John Jones and now made it goddamn guaranteed sure that he never will. Curtis, who is going to offer you John Jones? The guy that you did this interview with that I can't even cite because I don't know and I read the interview, is that guy going to ever, ever, ever going to offer you a fight with John Jones? Or is somebody in leadership going to make that offer? Now, we know now that offer is never going to happen, ever. But between the two, in a mythical world, who would have called you and offered you that? It wouldn't have been the guy you did the free interview with. It would have been the guy that read the free interview who now already has his answer without making the phone call, which is you're going to be a dick about it, which is that you don't come to this from a competitive nature, which is that you're only in it for the money, which is that you see some kind of value within a fight that has never been offered. Big fights don't get offered over the telephone, Curtis. Curtis. Big fights start with the media. Showtime said no to Floyd Mayweather when he asked for Conor McGregor. Dana White said no to Conor McGregor when he asked for Floyd. Floyd and Conor would not stop. They went out and said they were going to fight. They had no offer, they had no date, they had no ring, they had no poster. They went out and said it again and again until the media got behind it, which got more of the people behind it, which lastly brought in the promoters. The last to the table of a big fight is always the promoter. I only offer you that story because I trust it's one that you've heard, though I'm not fully convinced that you have. Maybe I should start at the beginning. There's a there's a boxer named Floyd Mayweather and there's a mixed martial artist named Conor McGregor. Have you heard of this? It has never gone the other way for a big fight. You versus John Jones is not a big fight. But if we, the masses, decide to make it one, it could be. It could. We'd have to be very happy with you and very happy with John to do you this tremendous favor of convincing people that we're willing to separate with our time and money to watch you guys fight. We now will never do that. One, because you're not like us. You don't see a value... In $200,000. Secondly, you've already said that for us to get what we want, we're going to have to answer to the tune that you're going to play, of which you didn't even finish for us. It was just a whole bunch of money. That money doesn't come. We create it. We create it by stating ahead of time, that we will separate with our time and our money to give a contribution towards an event that we want to see, one that you just crushed willingly for a free interview, a phone call that never happened, and was never going to happen, now never can happen because you've already come out and said there's going to be conflict. You have come out and said that you can set up the ring and you can make the posters and you can pop the popcorn and hell, apparently you can even break John Jones. But by the time you call me, I'm going to say no. For free. In a free interview. You ended any potential to a fight with a guy who, should he enter your division, has already been declared a number one contender. It took me three months, three months ago, I asked a sincere question of the audience. Please tell me what it is you have against Curtis Blades. It took me three months. I got my answer.
1: This is Your Welcome with Jail Sonnen.
0: You own or rent your home? Sure you do. And I bet it can be hard work, but you wanna know what's easy? Bundling policies with Geico. GEICO makes it easy to bundle your homeowners or renter's insurance along with your auto policy. It's a good thing, too, because you already have so much to do around the home. Go to GEICO.com, get a quote, and see how much you could save. It's GEICO easy. Visit GEICO.com today. That's GEICO.com.
1: Now, back to Your Welcome with Chael Sonnen.
0: Okay, so... Back the tape up three weeks. Back the tape up four weeks. 155 pounds. Khabib versus Gaethje. Chandler's in the batter's box. Off we go. Khabib walks away. So you're left with a vacated title. Fast forward. Dana White does not accept the vacancy. Spoke with Khabib. Thinks Khabib is coming back. Okay, great. In the meanwhile, Connor McGregor versus Poirier gets announced. So now you still are left with, what do we do with Chandler? By the way, Tony Ferguson's looking for something to do by the end of the year. So you start to hear some talks that it's going to be Chandler versus Tony. We know it's going to be Connor versus Poirier. What we don't know is, is that going to be for the belt? Because Dana has not accepted Khabib's vacancy. Spoke to him, thought maybe it was in the moment, wanted to show respect to Khabib, going to give him a little bit of time, in the meanwhile, keep the belt around his waist. That's where we were at. Now, that's a lot of moving parts, but in all fairness, that's more fun. Guys, isn't it more fun when we don't know? When we don't know... In conjunction with, well, what if, or it should be this. When we have a whole bunch of those in one division, that division's in a damn good spot. So the only thing we know about 155 pounds dating back for the last month is it's in a good spot. Well, now we got a little bit more clarity, which is Chandler will not be fighting Ferguson because Oliveira is. That still leaves you with a void of what is Chandler going to do? And I was confronted with information, which I did not like at all. At all. And I'm the first to speak up for Michael Chandler, but I I will not be happy if this turns out to be true. And I don't have evidence that it is, in all fairness. I don't. I only have rumor. Generally, there's a rumor in this sport. If somebody does not come on the other side of it and deny the rumor, the rumor is then believed to be true. It doesn't mean that it is. It's believed to be true. And I only want to disclose that because the way the story goes as of right now, is that Michael Chandler was offered Tony and said no. He said no because he had a training camp. Wait, what? Let me re-say that. I must have misspoke. He said no to a fight because he had a training camp. That, that still doesn't sound right. Let me say this one more time. It must. He said no to the fight because he had a training camp. Wait a minute. Wouldn't that be a good thing? Many guys throughout history, we have let off the hook of do something because they didn't have a training camp. Or they went out and did it and they didn't look their best and we gave them a quick pass and sometimes even gave them a rematch with appropriate training camp. But it all has to do because they didn't have the training camp. Now, while that will work with the masses, that will never work with the locker room. When one of the boys comes out and tells the media... I was not training and therefore tonight didn't go well. The rest of the boys will all let it slide because we know that we're going to use that same lie at some point to justify a bad performance and we don't want called out on it. But within the back, we all know you just got stomped. Of course you're training. It's all that you have to do. You don't have any other job. You don't have anything else to do. You don't even have another social life except to go to the gym. We're in training all the time. But when the narrative fits and you need to go to the masses and say that you weren't training, we not only will let you go, we'll even back you up in exchange. You back us up with the next time we stub our toe and just continue to perpetuate the false narrative of a training camp. Chandler allegedly has done the opposite. He has turned down a fight because he had a training camp. And I'm coming to you guys and I'm telling you that I I cannot back this up because I don't want this to be true. But there is a part of me that feels that it is true with the evidence that Ferguson, who was Chandler's idea in the first place, has now been booked with somebody else that isn't named Michael Chandler. So what is Chandler going to do? Wait until he doesn't have a training camp? Wait until he has a, another training camp? The guy's fought like 25 men, which would constitute 25 camps. Which would constitute, what the hell's a training camp in the first place? I mean, what does that actually mean? And particularly when I'm hearing it from a multiple-time All-American who never even used the word camp until he got into the big leagues. A multiple-time Division I All-American who worked his whole life to be a national champion and got ever so close never even used the word camp until he made it to the majors. It's a made-up word in the first place. It was made up by a bunch of boxers. And th- that is a boxing term that made its way over to MMA, was resisted when it first came over, because MMA guys didn't actually have the money to go do a camp to actually get in isolation where the lodging is here and the food is here and the training's here and you're just going to repeat. they You couldn't even do it. So when you tried to say you were in camp, it it was a fake word if you're using it a derivative of the sport that you stole it from who actually went into camp into the mountains. They didn't have cell phones and computers and television and, and a newspaper coming each day. They actually went into isolation. It didn't provide for any better of a product. It just allowed you to make movies like Rocky. Nobody actually did any better, including Michael Chandler, who's gone all the way to world championships, who never even used the word. It was a multiple-time Division I All-American. Now, apparently, he has to have a training camp, or he doesn't fight because he had a training camp. I can't even say it out loud. I don't want it to be true, but it appears that it is just that, considering Ferguson is now going to fight Oliveira, but you're still left at, what does Chandler do? A lot of the pieces just came off the board. Does he go back into the batter's box for Connor Poirier? I don't know. That'd be a little bit weird. It'd be a little bit silly. But turning down a fight because you had a training camp, right? I mean, if we're just saying nonsensical things and hoping that something sticks, I guess we're on that spot. Do you put them all the way out? I mean, cards are backed up right now. They're backed up to March. And many fights are already booked through March. So what do you do with this fight? If it's a non-important fight, if it's not going to be a feature fight or a headline or a co-main event, you could do a number of things with it. If it is going to be a feature bout and it's going to be a headline or a co-main event, who else coincides with that time frame? Do we come back to Gaethje? If you were to ask me right now with the information that we have right now, it would appear as though Gaethje is the best possible option for Chandler unless we're just going to knock this Chandler ball so far down that it doesn't even matter. If Chandler is not in the ring with somebody by June of next year, he no longer matters. And the same with anybody else. The only fortune cookie I've ever gotten in my whole life that I remember what the fortune was said, success is something that people have to be reminded of often. And the only reason I remember it is because the only fortune cookie that was so true. It's so true. It does not matter how good you are. If you are not out there reminding people of it often... And the only commodity that you have within this sport is your performance. So if you're not out there competing and performing often, you're not reminding people. If you're not up until June of next year, nobody's even going to remember you or care. And that goes for any division and anybody. So let's say that he fights prior to June, but we know that cards are already barked uh, until March. Who's he going to fight and where? And if it's not a featured bout or a co-featured bout, if it's just somewhere on the card, we can solve the problem. But it sure seems uh, a lot to ask of a guy who was just brought to a different continent, put in the batter's box, could step in for a world title fight at any given moment, did everything right, then as Tony Ferguson saying, I'd like to do something this year, and you said no because you had a training camp. A two-time divisional and All-American who had never used that word before competed with a different person every single Saturday of his life for four straight years and made weight every single time before he did it for four straight years, never used the word is now using the word that was taken from a difference. I don't even know where camp ever came into this sport. I mean, in all fairness, talk about gag me with a smurf. What's that quarterback you were telling me about with the Patriots? It's not Manning. Tom Brady. What if Tom Brady was supposed to play on any given set, but he had to have a camp. I mean, aren't a few of us going to look around and go? You know, Tom, you're 41 years old. You've been throwing the ball for a few years now. There's really not a camp. Get in there. The guy in the the, the guy in the striped shirt has a whistle. When he blows it, do something with that ball.
1: This is your welcome with Jail Sonnen.
0: Support for this podcast comes from Pluto TV. Guys, if you need an escape? Drop into Pluto TV. For a world of free TV, stream hundreds of channels and thousands of movies and shows all for free. Yes, free. No subscription. No fees. Imagine, 24-7 channels of Narcos, CSI, Star Trek, Survivor, and everything else from hit movies to binge watch. You're going to binge shows. You're going to be up to speed on the latest news. You're going to catch live sports, comedy, and more. What are you waiting for? Download the free Pluto TV app for Android, iPhone, Roku, and Fire TV and start streaming now. Pluto TV, drop in, watch free. Now,
1: back to your welcome with Jail Sonnen.
0: All right, guys, I have to go. I have to go to do an interview with James Lynch, who will own the interview, but I've texted James and I asked him. May I air this on my own podcast? He said, have at it. So I'm going nowhere except to connect with James Lynch. He will be steering the ship and I will be his humble guest. Enjoy.
2: You know who my next guest is? Chael P. Son and the bad guy joining me here on the program. Chael, how's it going, man?
0: What's going on, man? I'm doing all right out here. I'm getting ready for a holiday, a holiday feast, I must tell you.
2: Yes, thanks for doing this. Uh, we had Canadian Thanksgiving last month, so this tomorrow's a regular work day for me. But uh, I wanted to actually start with family. Uh, you know, COVID-19, we got a lot going on with that, the pandemic. How's your family doing? Everyone uh, safe and sound?
0: We're bored. Of course we're safe. Oh, come on, please. <laughs> there's been 18 other versions, let me assure you. That, uh, nothing for us to worry about. But um, uh, yeah, man, we're a little bit bored. Things are slow. Nothing to do yeah. when there's nobody to do nothing with. I got I to tell you, I've watched every television show there is.
2: Well, you're keeping busy with your content. I think every day you're putting up a video. Uh, how busy are you with that? Cuz I sleep like every hour I'm seeing something new from here.
0: Oh man, well, thank you for watching. That's nice of you, buddy. Uh not busy enough though. I I mean, really, there's um there's been so much downtime. So much, you know, staring at the clock and trying to figure out trying to figure out ways to fill a day has been kind of tough. So, um Content's been good, though. You know what I'm looking for? Maybe you can shed some light on this. So you've got sure. Roy Jones and Mike Tyson that are supposedly going to box. The director of the commission says they're not fighting. Those two say they are. Now, Rafael Cadero, who's training Mike Tyson, says for sure there it will be a fight. This is of like 10 minutes ago. He says there will be a referee and three judges. Is Is he correct or is the director of the commission correct that says there will be no judges?
2: Yeah, I would have to go with the coach. I know the commissioner says one thing, but uh, you know Cordero doesn't seem like a guy who's out of the loop with those things, so I would I would sort of go with him. You know what's interesting, too? Uh, because this is an exhibition fight, they're not offering any odds in the United States, but apparently offshore they are, which is interesting, right?
0: Sure. That's interesting, too. I mean, I, I, I would not go against Rafael Cordero. That is not my message. At the same time, wouldn't you have to side with the commissioner? I mean, if he's the one that's bringing the judges in and he says, I'm not bringing judges in, I mean, either that changed or we're not getting real information here. I think it's a big deal. I mean, you're the one that brought up the betting lines, but this is a big deal. There, There is pay-per-view subscribers that are selling this right now as a fight. And if a fight's not going to happen, that's fraud. It is,
2: right. Yeah, false advertising, right? So we'll have to see sort of what happens. Uh, We're, you know, what, 72 hours away from this fight. So we'll see uh, when it actually, uh, if it actually goes to fruition. I hope it does, right? There's a lot that's gone into this, a lot of promotion, right? Sure. We'll see what happens. I wanted to start with you, actually, with Bellator. Uh, we had a great card last week, uh, headlined by AJ McKee, who pulled off just an incredible submission here. You know, with Michael Chandler gone, do you see him as as sort of the next big star for Bellator as a homegrown talent? Because they haven't had a lot of homegrown talent that has really gone on to, to do amazing things.
0: I think that's fair. Yeah, I think that AJ McKee is really starting to catch on. You know, it's so much it's so much easier to know. When there's a live crowd, right? You either sold out an arena or you didn't. It's this really great focus point. But I mean, I can tell you the buzz around him is 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 real. I feel it, and the skills are unbelievable. I don't know where that. I don't know where he's best at. I mean, I thought he was best like as a stand-up fighter. But every time he goes to the ground, his last two fights, he goes to the ground for less than a minute. He taps out somebody. So uh, yeah, this this guy is uh, he's a rare talent for sure, particularly that weight class. That weight class is so hard. Any organization. You're the top guy in a weight class, and now you're, you're you're this young guy that's also undefeated, finishing fights on your feet, finishing them on the ground. I mean, I don't know what the I don't know what the ceiling is for him. Well, and I think the fight
2: everyone wants to see, and nothing against Emmanuel Sanchez, I think he has a great chance against Pitbull, but uh, I think Pitbull and McKee is the fight to make based after what you've seen with AJ, because like you said, it's so unpredictable. You either see him get a knockout or like we saw a submission last week. Do you think he can beat a Patricio Pitbull?
0: Yeah, yeah, I think he can beat him. I don't know that I'm predicting that he will beat him. I need just a little bit more evidence. Pitbull's another one of those guys. Like any compliment I give McKee, I'd have to give back to Pitbull. I never really knew how good Pitbull was until that fight. With Chandler, It wasn't quite so clear, you know, just to how dominant he is. And that's the great thing about the tournament, man. You take all the politics out of it. It's just the best guys, their skills are going to speak for themselves. It's a very rare thing. A lot of promoters don't want to do tournaments for that very reason. There are certain matchups that are more attractive than others. You're not guaranteed those matchups. So I think you're right. I mean, I think when this tournament all got formed, everybody's hopes got Coker's included was eventually we're going to see McKee and Pitbull in there together. There's still some work to be done. You, you bring up Emmanuel Sanchez, but, uh, I mean, to your point, it appears that we've got two very special guys that are about to find each other.
2: Speaking especially at a UFC card last weekend, Davison Figueroa gets a another first round finish this time over Alex Perez. I thought Perez looked good early on in the fight; just made a mistake and paid for it. He got submitted. What did? How did? What was your biggest takeaway from that? I thought fight?
0: the same thing. I wanted to see some more minutes there. I was I was starting to enjoy where that fight was going. I thought that Perez uh, really showed a discipline to his strategy. To his plan, I thought that he was showing that the pressures weren't getting to him. I thought he was really going out and performing, and I was curious to see a few more minutes, a few more rounds, even of of that performance. It looked as though uh, it looked as though he was the right guy in there for the job, and that that Figueroa boy. I mean, he'll surprise you. Figueredo never never really gives up. He, he you know he made weight, which was a big deal a couple of fights ago, or three fights ago. He didn't make weight. That's always a question mark. It looks like he's Solved that and shown some maturity, and uh, he might be he might be going to stick around for a while.
2: I, I agree, and uh, just like you said, made the weight was able to defend the title, but now he's got to fight again in two weeks. Uh, you know, just as a, as someone who fought yourself, uh, do you think he can make the weight again in such a short period of time? Because that's that's pretty tough on the body having to go back and, and cut that weight one more time.
0: I would assume it would be helpful. I would assume you know to not ever get out of camp, as they say, or or to let your weight go or or get away from the gym. I would assume the consistency. Would would add to the fact that yes he would make weight. It's generally those guys that have been out for a period of time, whether that's the traditional three to four months or they dealt with an injury. It's generally that type that uh, in a broad stroke has has more of the weight issues. I would I would think the weight would be the one weight and conditioning would be one thing that a quick turnaround really really is helpful with
2: co-main event of that card was valentina shevchenko successfully defending her title against jennifer maya but sort of the big talk was that valentina actually lost a round in the fight it's very rare she had like you know boxing odds heading into the fight i think she was almost like a minus 200 or something what was your biggest takeaway from that performance because i thought you looked great but i think it's inevitable for any champion to look somewhat human in a fight
0: yeah i fully agree with you on that you know the one thing when you're fighting shevchenko it's you're you're also going after moral victories like to, to go out there and just get your hand raised would be the big cherry on the sunday but there's other victories victories that can happen if you can survive a round by example or if you can make it the distance by example or in this case of Maya if you can win a round it's worth you and I talking about a week later I mean, nobody else is talking about that fight and we wouldn't be talking about it had the fact that she not had this moral victory which was winning a round and it's a small feather in the cap and one that she probably doesn't feel good about but you and I as viewers did appreciate it we appreciated that maybe getting on top of Shimchenko and holding there for a little bit under the 10-9 uh, you know, uh, must system rule is, is the most clear blueprint we have to beating her. I mean, the bullet's the bullets, close to invincible. I appreciate that fight. I will tell you this, that wasn't an overly close fight. I think the announcers ringside were so surprised that anybody was giving any kind of resistance to the bullet that they, they oversold that greatly. I think if you went back and watched it on mute, it was a typical Shimchenko fight save one round where she got held down a little bit
2: a fight that i think is going to be a little bit closer that they just announced recently tony ferguson charles Oliveira. uh let's start first just with was this the right fight to make for tony ferguson he wanted to fight in december michael chandler says he wasn't ready to go understandable had a camp for the backup spot at usc 254 what's your assessment of this fight was this the right fight to make
0: i get it i don't have a big problem with it i I thought they were going to go in the direction of chandler uh, Chandler Ferguson, so it caught me by surprise. I'm happy to see something good happen to Oliveira, though. I mean, that guy's a killer. He's got an amazing record. He's been on an amazing run, but he's never had that dance partner that could bring him some attention. If he's as good as he says he is, as he's as good as his record shows that he apparently is, this will be the one to springboard. I mean, good for Chandler. I mean, or, you know, good for Ferguson for stepping in and and taking it. We're seeing all these top guys that are, are, are ducking and dodging fights or they need big carrots dangled in front of them. You know, good for Ferguson for saying, I want to compete by the end of the year. Okay, great. Here's who you're offering me. I'll do it. I respect guys like that. You know, we got so many fake tough guys in this sport right now, and we have for a, a extended period of time. I don't know how yeah. the fans let it go. I don't know how the media lets it go. I don't know how the promotion deals with some of these crybabies. So so good for Tony and good for Oliveira for getting the chance and taking it
2: was this a missed opportunity for chandler i talked about how he had to you know go through a camp already it's understandable but at the same time it doesn't get much bigger than tony ferguson in the lightweight it, division outside of is, Connor.
0: is it understandable in all fairness i like chandler you like yeah. chandler i've been personal friends with him for a decade i, I don't understand it in the least you you haven't okay. fought anybody in a long time you signed a contract you went through training camp but you don't want to fight a top guy on a top pay-per-view of the year that's understandable. I'm having a hard time understanding that. I don't get that one. It seems like a missed opportunity. I've been the first to speak up for Michael Chandler. I I will not be the first next time. If this was his shot and he did not want it, because of what? Because he went through a training camp. What? What? Guys are missing fights because they're hurt or they're sick or they have a loved one in the hospital. He's missing a fight because he went through a full training camp? I don't understand. I'm not with you on that one. I don't understand. I think it's ridiculous.
2: Okay. Now I like the honesty on that one. Where where does this leave? I'd like to hear your standpoint.
0: Wait a minute. You, you said that it was understandable. You're right. I skipped over it. Okay. You said it was understandable. What, what part of that are you understanding about? What part of a a a guy getting a new beautiful contract being launched into a top spot and not wanting to go do the heavy lifting? What part of that did you understand?
2: I have a bit of empathy for Chandler in the sense that he he had a training camp and he was on Fight Island. If this was in Vegas, maybe a different story. But I do see your side as well where it's like, you know what, you got to take the fights you can get. I guess from my perspective, it's like I don't know what it's like to go through a full camp. So I don't fully understand as much as, say, you do or someone else does. If you're telling me, hey, you should reset it and go back in, I'll take your word for it, Chell. I'm not going to argue with that. But uh, in general, I just sort of looked at this as it's a little bit understandable. But on the, on the marketing side, absolutely. Of course, you're not going to get much bigger than Ferguson because who's he going to fight now? Dan Hooker? Uh, maybe I like Quinta. I, I don't know who else is in that top five that doesn't have a dance partner right now. Maybe Paul Felder, um, you're not going to get a bigger fight than Tony. Tony is still a big draw. For people sure. love this guy, and if you even suggest that Tony's going to lose this fight, I've seen it in the YouTube comments, people go nuts. This guy is a huge fan base, and that's a, that's a missed opportunity, but it's Charles Oliveira's gain as a result. Sure. So.
0: No, I agree with you because I think it does it does have the question, well, then what, what does uh, Chandler do, right? If, if we yeah. know that Poirier and Connor are tied up and we're led to believe that Khabib is not coming back, and I don't think we thought that Chandler was going to draw right into Khabib anyway, I don't know what other pieces are on the board. Does he stick around and wait for a Gaethje, or does he, I, I'm open to all of those ideas? But it it does put you in a little bit tougher spot, at least in my estimation. Or does he go back and he's a backup fighter? You know, don't forget, he was a backup fighter for the Gaethje, uh Gaethje Khabib fight. And now we've got Poirier-Connor, which is a massive fight. It would seem that you'd want a backup fighter for that. Do you bring him back in for that? I, I don't know. I don't know. I wouldn't have a problem with it, but then are we going to be stuck with the same excuse if that doesn't come about, of which I had a training camp? You say you don't understand a training camp. Let me break it down for you very... A guy <laughs> okay. sets that's amount of time uh, aside, and he works hard during those days. Who gives yeah. a... So what? All, all yeah. of your viewers that are worth their salt get up every day and work hard. So a guy a guy set eight weeks aside, and he worked extra hard... Uh, I don't know, man. I I was disappointed. I'm still disappointed. And I'm not with you. I don't understand.
2: Well, I'll tell you something I disagree with you. I don't think Chandler is the backup to Poirier and McGregor because if Poirier is out, there's no way McGregor takes that fight, especially without a title on the line. I just don't see him. I know Connors and I'll fight anyone anytime, but he's also a businessman. And a Michael Chandler is not as big of a deal as a Poirier, in my opinion, but especially a guy who already has a win over. So I think if Chandler does fight again, it's going to be against a fresh opponent. I don't think they'll give him another backup opportunity, but we'll see what happens, Shell. Maybe when it, we do see what happens, I'll uh, shoot you a text and we can. Hey, you're springing
0: all sorts of news on me. You just said Connor was a businessman. I, I would love, please- <laughs> Please Put me in contact with his secretary. Tell me where his office is so I can pull up. I, let me know who his investors were and what capital he ever raised. I, that's news to me that Connor's doing business. I didn't know that either. You're well, teaching me a lot today. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, we understand exactly. why we understand, we're understandable why a fighter won't fight and we understand a guy that's never signed the front of a paycheck is doing business. You're teaching me something. I got to tell you.
2: Oh, that's good. That's good to hear. Uh, back to first generally,
0: generally, when you're a businessman, okay, you sign the front of a paycheck. Connor signs the back of paycheck. But if you're telling me he's a businessman, my well, mind he's... is now blown, James. I got to okay. tell you,
2: from from a business perspective, that, that's that's what I meant. He's he's thinking business wise. Maybe he's not running the. He's got people around him. He's got a crew of people. I mean, obviously, he's not pouring the proper whiskey or whatever, right? That's someone else doing it. Fair that enough. I just yeah i just i just meant in terms of the business sense uh back to ferguson Oliveira. who do you give
0: the edge to in that fight you just, do you do know that the night that hulk hogan slammed andre the giant andre was cooperating right you're aware yeah. of that
2: yes absolutely. okay
0: all right i'm just making sure that we're right i didn't know if we're doing a work here if we're you know i've known you a long time but i <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: i didn't know connor was in business and i damn sure didn't know that a fighter could skip fights and we let him slide for it fair enough what's fair the enough. next uh, topic uh,
2: Ferguson Oliveira, I just wanted to mention that quickly. Who do you give the edge to in that fight? I was curious your opinion on the fight.
0: I would give it to Tony, but that's because largely because of what you see, right? I mean, lar- we see Tony go out there, we see him beat up a lot of people. We hear that that Oliveira did. I mean, he just didn't have the same amount of eyes on him. If you go look at his record, you want to look at who's hungrier. I think that that's a very debatable topic. I would imagine that Oliveira is a pretty hungry guy right now. You have a lot of intangibles in that, such as pressure. I mean, he's never been given a fight this high profile. Is that going to be a springboard? For a lot of guys, it is. We only know in hindsight. For a lot of guys, that's a real springboard. And for some other guys, boy, they underperform. And one thing that I think we have seen with Tony is uh, consistency. You know, even in his fight with... Um, Gagey, and I realized that was a very one-sided fight, but it wasn't one-sided because Tony shut down. He kept getting beat to the punch. He was trying the whole time. He was pushing through all the way to that fight was called off. He never once fell down and balled up or wanted it called off. I think Tony's a great competitor, and I see the same. I see the same from Oliveira. But I just I offer for you that that would be the question mark. How is he going to deal with so much uh, attention on him? It, it, it's something new. He might love it, but he might not.
2: Hamza Chimayev. We've got to talk about him. He's fighting on December 19th. Uh, there's a lot of hype around this guy. I can't remember someone in the UFC that's had three fights and gets to fight the number three ranked guy. I know the rankings are a bit, you know, arbitrary in terms of uh, some of the matchmaking, but uh, I actually think this makes a lot of sense because Leon Edwards is about as cold as you get right now. He hasn't fought since last July. He needs that to get that momentum back, and why not do that against a guy who's only got nine fights? What's your take on that? On the matchmaking here with Chimayev and Edwards?
0: I'm into the whole thing, and, I mean, again, you know, you and I are, are shining up Chimayev but it's the opposite of what you gave Chandler a pass for. Uh, Chamiyev went through these training camps as well, but he went through the training camps so that he could go out and fight somebody, and he's offered to fight guys at two different weight classes and not offering an excuse in between. Chamiyev will greatly let me down if he ever gets up in the loft and and pulls a ladder up behind him. I mean, we see many guys that we get behind, and all of a sudden they don't do what it was that made us support them in the first place. I don't predict for you that he will do that, but you know, if he eventually does capture one of these championships and all of a sudden starts talking like the rest of these phonies about this guy doesn't deserve it or I won't give him the opportunity, forgetting that at one point he didn't deserve it, and at one point he was given an opportunity. And generally we see that. We generally, we see a guy say one thing until he get, and he comes out and says another. I like the booking for Shemaev. I, I don't like how long it took to get Lee uh, on board with it. I don't see what a ranking matters. I don't know what any of these guys are ranked, and I, and I do this for a living. I will never know. I don't even know where to go to find out what they're ranked. I literally don't even know the website to go to that will tell me what they're ranked. But I do know who's on the main card, and I do know who's in the co-main event, and I do know who's in the main event spot. Those are the only numbers or placement that matters. They could have a 2 or a 1 or a 9 next to your name. Are you the main event or aren't you? That is how you balance and judge your worth in this sport. And for anybody to hesitate to jump at a main event spot on ESPN, shame on them.
2: Do you think a win here would put him in that title contention? Because to me it's about momentum. She might have me of Jorge Masvidal. Let me explain why. He was the talk of the town last year. No one was more popular than him. He had Donald Trump come to his fight. Sure. He had The Rock give him a, a belt. Chimayev's kind of got that same luster where it's like this, everyone's talking about him. He's the next Habib. He's, and he's, he's backing it up. He's getting big, impressive finishes. That's what you need to do. Do you see similarities there in terms of the, the way people are talking about Chimayev?
0: I do, but I think he's going to trans, uh, transcend better. You know, don't forget Khabib, even at the time that he got that Connor fight, that wasn't even guaranteed to be booked. That Kanter's not been rolling when when Connor broke into the Barclays Center, assaulted him, and ended up in handcuffs. I mean, in all fairness, Khabib was not a very big deal in North America. He is now, but I'm taking you back then. He was big in other parts of the world. Shamaya seems to already worldwide be a lot further in his career, which is only three matches deep with a fourth one scheduled, a lot further than Khabib could could even dream of being at that time. So, I don't know that I love the comparison of Chamaya in because Khabib's out. I think that that's been a little bit unfair. Chamiya was already on the scene when Khabib was still on the scene. I'm not really totally seeing the similarities between the two other than Chamiya at one point tipped his hat to Khabib and called himself Khabib 2.0. I think that Chamiya is paving... His own road. The other side to it is, I mean, the buck stops at Leon. You're either this good or you aren't. And for some of the the judgments that have been passed on a guy who we've seen in there for not even one complete round, seems a little bit lofty to me. But he's going to have his chance to prove it.
2: Does he beat Leon Edwards? Who's your pick in that fight? Probably.
0: Probably. Yes, he probably does. There's something to be said for momentum. I I don't think that Leon uh, got any better at doing a sport by not doing it, and whether that was COVID-related or some of the other rumors we heard where he was turning down fights, I I really don't know where the truth lies, and it might have been a combination of the two, but I know I haven't turned my TV on and seen Leon in a meaningful period of time, and I've seen Chemayev three times in the last three or four months, so you know, I think that there is something to be said for momentum. I think it favors Chemayev.
2: Connor and Dustin, we talked about that fight. Do you think Connor can get it done again? This fight's at 155. Poirier's been more active. Do you you see him going out there and and beating Dustin Poirier again? Of
0: course. I'm answering, of course, to when you said, um, could he get it done again? Yes, of course. Now, I will tell you, if you go back and look at that first fight, and you're using that as your trajectory to this next fight, it is interesting because that was an all-stand-up fight for however long it lasted, but it was all stand-up. And if you go and look at Dustin's pure boxing, Of that night versus today, Dustin of today would get rid of that Dustin faster than Connor did. So I I think that it's a very different match, but Connor does seem to have a speed advantage on opponents, and so it might behoove Dustin to mix it up a little bit, particularly early, get his hands on him, push him, pull him a little bit, not just trade with him, but even if we are left with the trading, I do at least maintain for you that Dustin is much better today than he was then.
2: Does Dustin beat Connor?
0: Dustin has ways to beat Connor, but he's going to have to deal with that speed. I mean, right? I, I feel as though rounds two, three, four, and five uh, could be stronger for Dustin than round one. It's really going to matter how he comes out in that first round. If he takes a few of those left hand again, takes a few of those kicks to the stomach again, that, that can change a guy. And uh, Dustin, I, I do think technically is is very very good. Is he as good as Connor? We're going to find out technically. But pure speed and power. It favored McGregor then, it favors McGregor now, but under, under the, the, the unified rules of mixed martial arts, Dustin does not have to go out there and go jabs and crosses with him. There's other things he can do. If he does those other things, particularly in the first five minutes, I, I think it could change his night. But no, if he goes out and tries to punch and kick with Conor McGregor, he's going to end up like everybody else, face down and embarrassed. I'm
2: going to take a little right turn here. What's your favorite thing to do outside of fighting?
0: movies. I'm a big movie buff. Now, I I've liked movies less lately because I used to watch them by choice and I've had I've been forced into watching them lately because there's been so uh so much little other stuff to do, but there's some good shows out there right now, not just movies, just TV in general. I'm watching something called The Undoing. It's on HBO, uh Nicole Kidman, a very good show. Very ca- Hugh Grant's in it. good cast, but I'm only five episodes in. I wish they would have dropped it all like Netflix style. I would love to have binge watched this show, but um, I suppose I like watching TV. There's one of my hobbies.
2: Least favorite thing to do?
0: Oh, my least favorite thing to do is to have nothing to do. Torture for me would be a day off. If I ever, I go to bed every night. I look at my calendar for what I have to do the next day before I set my alarm. If I had a day off, I would not be a very happy guy.
2: When you were fighting, did you believe in abstinence before a fight?
0: What's that word mean? Means abstaining from sex before oh. a fight. Were you? Oh, for heaven's sakes! My God, you're talking about the sweet Miss Brittany here. That's Miss Brittany's business. <laughs> My goodness, I would never okay. abstain from Miss Brittany. I would tell you that.
2: Okay, I like that. Uh, dinner. If you could have dinner with three people, dead or alive, who would they be and why?
0: Oh, okay. Uh, see, now those are ones that you always reflect on later. I wish I had more time to answer that question. I would like to have dinner. With Billy the Kid to ask him if he got away or if Pat Garrett actually shot him in the back. I would like to have dinner with, I would love to have, Bill Clinton would, I, something tells me would be a lot of fun. I, I, and also he'd have to answer my questions. Though. I'd have to, right, he'd have to answer what I would like to know about his time <laughs> in office. And with anyone else, I'll throw Miss Brittany in there, who I get to have dinner with tonight, by the way. There
2: you go. Great. Uh, Great choice. Anderson Silva, does he fight again, in your opinion? Because all these promotions are coming out and saying they don't want him to fight for them.
0: Yeah, that was a scummy move, by the way. That was a real slimy move of a lot of those promotions. You know, um, first off, they weren't asked the question. So they took a shot at a guy who they would have loved to have had at a period of time who didn't want to come over there, made his decision, hung his hat somewhere else, and are now looking to get some cheap heat, make themselves look as though they're above Anderson by refusing a guy who hasn't even offered his service. to I mean, it was a little bit of a slimy move. Not to mention it was cold-hearted to say you don't want to go. It's just a mean thing to do. So, um, no, I don't think we'll, we'll see him fight again because I, I think those promotions are telling the truth. And I think there's a, a much better way to go about it. Than the way that he went about it. Um, you know, I don't think that you should come out and just offer your surfaces somewhere. I think that you should have a finished product. He should have found a very specific opponent, taken it to the audience first to make sure the audience wanted it, then added some, some flames to it, and then dropped it in a promoter's lap. We just saw this. Let me give you a great example Curtis Blades who I've always really appreciated his skills, and I've never really understood why the audience doesn't like him. I've never, but there is. There is an audience against Curtis. It's always like, man, did I miss something? Did Curtis do something one time? Curtis Blades comes out earlier today and proclaims on his own that he's going to need a whole bunch of money to fight John Jones. Now, to tell you how stupid that statement was of Curtis and letting you in of the mind of Curtis and now letting me in apparently as to why the fans were ahead of me and never liked him in the first place. He was never offered John Jones. He now never will be. He he just put a big bumper between himself and John Jones that never needed to be there because it was never offered. He could have come out and said, I'm the one to stop John. I'm the whole reason John hasn't committed. I'm the one they offered John to, which is why John never speaks about it. He could have done all sorts of things to add some level of anticipation to then get himself the offer. Instead, he steps in front of the promotion and the offer before it's even presented to him by saying, I'm going to need a whole bunch of money. The one thing that the guy writing the check doesn't want to do. So he literally stops himself from getting any kind of traction or momentum to a fight of which could be the future champion of the world in John Jones before it's even discussed because he's that stupid. And I sit back. I don't know why people don't like Curtis. Now I know why people don't like Curtis.
2: Yeah, no, it, I totally agree. He he misplayed that completely. You you never you never call your future in, in terms of saying I don't want to fight. That's not how you get fights made. So we are in agreement with that. There. Speaking of John Jones, do you see him coming back down to two hundred five? Do you know that, do you some?
0: know if the F, if the FBI if the FBI yes. gets a group of people together, a group of suspects? Yes. Do you know how they will determine which one of those suspects is guilty? By huh? which everyone offers their alibi before they're asked it. The guy yeah. that reaches in his pocket and pulls out a receipt and throws it on the counter and goes, I couldn't have been it. I was at Best Buy. Look, it's timestamp. Boom, we got our guy. Why would you offer an alibi before we asked you for the alibi? I mean, this is just how the feds look at it. I, I only bring that to you because essentially this is what Curtis Blades has done. Any kind of topic or conversation or discussion, he doesn't even need to get in there and fight John Jones. Just take the headlines. Let you and I come out and tell the masses why that match would be interesting. Let us begin to tell the story. Curtis stopped us from even doing that. He came out and put a fictional dollar figure on a fictional fight, not to mention looking like a coward doing it. I've never thought that Curtis Blades is a chicken. He went out and fought Engano and then begged to fight Engano again and is currently begging to fight him a third time. I mean, Curtis Blades shows some real vigor. He's now publicly refusing a fictional fight that was never offered to him from a 205 pounder? Now not only is he dumb, he's a chicken. Two things I never thought of Curtis Blades. I would have defended Curtis. I have defended Curtis. I can't do either now. Because he's turned down a shrimp in a fictional fight that people don't want to pay to see in the first place. Which is why it was never offered to him. If anybody wanted to see the fight, it would have been offered to him. No one wants to see it, which is why it wasn't offered. And he wants make-believe money. Come on, man!
2: Don't disagree with that. You mentioned John Jones there. Uh, Israel Adesanya is moving up to fight Jan Blackevitz. Aside from being the double champ, I think it's his way of trying to get the John Jones fight. Do you think Jones comes down and fights him at at, at that weight class? Because it, he's bulking up for, to heavyweight, doesn't look like that's going to be the case.
0: Yeah, it's tough to say. I take John Jones at his word when he told us the only thing I care about in my next fight is that I get a bunch of money for it. I take him at his word. And we can like that or not like that. But if we're just trying to deduce, I think I think he's serious. I think he even proved that by walking away from a title. And it does appear that he's trying to bulk up and go to heavyweight. Uh, good for him. I see that play. I see the parody. As a fan, it has me very intrigued. Intrigued to your point the biggest fight he can get which is if, if he's just looking for money the biggest fight without a close runner up is an audasanya so it puts john in a little bit of a this flux right do i want to you know keep pumping weight and seeing what i can shoot in my ass at science is yet to catch up with or do i want to trim down a little bit and come after the only guy that the world's ever actually wanted to to see me fight which is audasanya i mean it's 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 one of those things and he can't do both at the same time. You know, you can't be bulking up to 240 for Instagram shoots and meeting your greatest challenger at 205. I think that John's in a little bit of a tough spot. And I don't think that John can get any clarity. I mean, right? The mm-hmm. the Adesanya fight only works if Adesanya brings the world championship with him. He only brings the world championship if he gets by Blahovic, which is, that's a big ask. That's a big mm-hmm. ask of anybody.
2: Yeah. No, I agree. We'll see what happens. And don't
0: ask Curtis Blades to fight Blahovich. He'll do it, but he's going to need a whole bunch of money, James. So don't even even think about asking him that.
2: Before we go, something we have never talked about before, and I just made a point of remembering this time around. There was that real estate commercial you did years ago, and it had your phone number on the screen. How many calls were you getting when that was released?
0: Okay, here was the problem with that. It got put on SureDog. So the kids on the forum on SureDog... And so I started responding to them, like it was mainly by text message. And so I was responding to them. And then they just started being nasty. They started being very mean. about, And I couldn't figure out where they got the number in the first place. And then I found out. Somebody tipped me off. I think they sent a screenshot or something. Somehow I got tipped off. I was on sure. I had to go get a whole new phone number. And that was a great number. It was 913-4444. Like, what a great number. Just luck up the draw. All fours. How easy. I don't have the number anymore.
2: I was going to say, you probably got a lot of calls. I think I know where the, the commercial originated because I don't think I've told you this story before. I used to work at Fight Network. We used to air Sport Fight. They used to have that commercial on sport Fight. I have a hint that someone saw that and put that commercial on YouTube. They
0: might have. I remember Sport. sport I had some great memories from Sport Fight. happened right here You used here to commentate Portland.
2: for them, too. I know you fought for yep. them, but you also commentated as well. I remember seeing you on there back in the day. Yep. So.
0: Matt Lindland was running that. So I remember, you, yeah. the Team Quest Day, so we'd have a lot of our own teammates. I mean, Matt, in large part, had a started promotion because he was the guy's manager and it was having a hard time getting the guys enough fights. A lot of promoters have done this. They go, you know what? I'll just start my own thing. I'll put my own guys on here. Uh, I only bring that to you because if I wasn't commentating or competing or not, I was there watching. I had a whole bunch of teammates on there. Horwich fought through there. Ed Herman fought. Glover Teixeira there. Chris Lieben had a bunch of fights. Good memories. Uh, but, yes, you're right. They had a little TV deal, and I went and I, I bought spots on there. And, and everything was fine until Sure Dog ruined it all for me.
2: I think they grabbed the video, put it on their form. And that back in the day for, for you younger kids, Sherdog was the place to be, the Sherdog for sure. Forum, right? That, that's where you used to go and check. And also there's a spelling mistake in that commercial. They put, they capitalized directly because it says call Chael Sonnen directly and the D's capitalized for whatever reason. I'm, did you know that?
0: Huge mistake. I did not know that. And normally I would pick up on that. And normally I would complain. So they're lucky that that did go under me, but you're right.
2: Chael, appreciate the time. Anything you want to promote, anything you want to plug, I'll give you the last word here.
0: The last word. I mean, I, I fake news is going on. You, Connor's a businessman, or Connor's a big businessman. Yeah. Okay. Hey, Connor, can I have a job? Well, you know, we're not really hiring right now. Yeah, you're not hiring because you don't have a business. Curtis Blaze, don't turn down fights that were never offered to you. That's despicable. Michael Chandler, don't turn down fights at all if you want us to get behind you. James, I've had it with you. Goodbye. See you later. All right, guys. Enjoy your weekend. We will be back next week with a few hot topics that we will be discussing on Wednesday. Until then, I'm Chael Sonnen, and you are welcome.
1: Thanks for listening to Your Welcome with Chael Sonnen. Download new episodes every week at podcastone.com. That's podcastone.com.
4: Hello everyone, this is Eagles Hall of Fame quarterback Ron Jaworski, and I am so excited to bring you the hottest new podcast for the NFL and gaming. Welcome to Jaws Picks, featuring me, Ron Ron Jaworski, Jaworski, and some of the most famous names in sports, music, and entertainment, as I give you my expert analysis and predictions of each and every NFL game. (coughs) So far this season, my predictions are over 55% correct against against the the spread. spread. That's a pretty good number, folks and over 67% picking winners straight up. You do not want to miss out on this podcast. Every week, I will tell you who, how, and why each NFL game will be decided. <coughs> take the guesswork and stress out of gaming and subscribe to Jaws Picks wherever you get your podcast. That's Jaws Picks wherever you get your podcast. Stay safe, take care, and let's make some beer money. <coughs> Join me every week for the Michael Irvin Podcast. The Michael Irvin Podcast. The M.I.P.
3: Now the M.I.P. exists. The M.I.P. Okay, I gotta make sure you got something to show. What? Where's Michael? He's holding out. Why do you mean he's holding out? <laughs> hey, it's the Playmaker. I ain't
4: available right now. I said, the Playmaker's not available for you. I will give you my Playmaker of the Week. Take the spotlight sometimes off of all these quarterbacks and put the spotlight on some of those guys that make the quarterbacks. T-I-R-E, put it together. T-I-R-E-D. I
3: get tired. Hiya! That's
4: the love,
0: Michael Irvin. I love right there, man. (laughs) Yeah,
4: yeah.
3: Download new episodes of the MIP, the Michael Irvin podcast, every Thursday on Apple Podcasts, Podcast One, and Spotify.
4: That's the Michael Irvin podcast. I am the playmaker, Michael Irvin.